Pending the outcome of Friday night's game, should BYU decide to mail it in and go all in on a youth movement? We try to explain that ahead on today's show. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Our title sponsor today is our friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online has got you covered all season long with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. That's Bet Online, where the game starts. Once again, thank you for joining us. We are your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Very proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And the goal here, simply stated, is to make you guys the smartest BYU fans out there and had an interesting discussion with a friend of mine yesterday and they asked that I leave their name out of this discussion but I thought the discussion that we had was very pertinent I think to many of you out there because it deals with the BYU football season right now as we all know BYU sitting at 4-4 four and four, looking at a big matchup tomorrow night against the East Carolina Pirates of course ECU making the trip across the country uh, they will obviously be looking to notch their second straight win over a future Big 12 opponent uh, at after they took down UCF last week. So they're going to be plenty motivated. I I don't think that's going to be a problem in this game. But the conversation I was having with my friend was that... If BYU were to lose this game and drop to 4-5 and five on the season, so that if they lose, that, that, I'm not saying they are going to. We'll preview that game more in its entirety on tomorrow's podcast. It's kind of a game day primer for you guys. Just a little bit of a tease ahead. But if they were to lose this game and BYU drops below the 500 mark, they have a winless October, which is just absolutely mind-boggling to consider. But the conversation was, if BYU is having a losing season at that point, they're probably looking at an uphill climb at that point. They, they, they win the Utah Tech game. I'll give them that. So they're probably hit, sitting at 5-5 five and five at the worst. And then you're having to win one of the two road games to finish the season, either at Boise State a week from now, or you have to go to Stanford on the final week of the regular season, uh, Thanksgiving weekend, and win out there against the Cardinal to get to bowl eligibility. So that that's the scenario that could play out here. But the conversation we had is if BYU were to drop below 500 now, does Kalani Satake decide, you know what, this season essentially is, is, is lost? in a way? Do we go all in? Do we push all our chips in on a youth movement? That meaning you put Jacob Kahn over more into the lineup you decide to go with some of the younger players, whether it's along the defensive front, the essentially across the entirety of the team. Do you go all in on prepping the young crew, the young core that you will take into the Big 12 era with you versus continuing to play with the entrenched starters that you have? Jaron Hall, the guys who have been playing on that offensive line for a number of years. And it was a very interesting question because they brought it up. They asked me that question because they're very much looking at the Big 12 era for B. BYU just under a year from now and thinking, well, what in the world is BYU doing? They don't have necessarily a lot of pieces. We could find ourselves essentially with our pants down around our ankles going into Big 12 play. And I agree with that sentiment. Let me let me be very honest about it. I agree with the fear of BYU not necessarily being prepared going into Big 12 play. But let me also say that I can tell you based on the conversations I've had with coaches and players is that I don't think BYU is going to be willing to mail it in. I think they will fight two things 
and nail to make this season as positive as it possibly can be. Has it gotten off the rails in many ways? Absolutely. I don't think anybody expected BYU at this juncture to be four and four. I, I would have guessed, in my mind, I would have guessed five and three, probably at the very worst for BYU. But the the simple fact of the matter is this season, it's been spiraling a bit. And they could finish the entire month of October with another loss tomorrow night. And that prompted the question, do you mail it in? And I don't think you do because I think guys like Jaron Hall, they're obviously going to want as much tape as they possibly can garner when it comes to the... Uh when it comes to the NFL draft and all that stuff, they're obviously going to want to have as much film for NFL scouts out there. But as our conversation continued, the the conversation turned to a, another part of this is that, okay, let's say BYU does make it, whether it's seven and five, six and six, they are going to, to a bowl game. Now, obviously when it comes to bowl season, you're given an extra 15 practices. A lot of coaches will tell you it's as good as having a second spring practice because you can get a lot of young guys, some extra work. Now I, the point I made was, okay, I don't think BYU will mail it in, in the regular season. They will fight until the, they are told they're not going to a bowl game, but if they do make it to a bowl game, then at that point, if I'm Kalani Satake, I probably push the chips in on the youth movement. Then I would tell Jaron Hall, uh, the, the guys who are, you, you think are going to go to the NFL, uh, whether it's a Blake Freeland who's considering entering the draft early, Clark Barrington maybe decides to bolt. Uh, that, those guys, I, I don't know, Keenan Peely on the defensive side of the football. I, just You can go down that list of the guys who are potential NFL guys and say, are you considering leaving? And if you are, I think we're going to go with the youth in this game, this bowl game. It's an exhibition. It's a glorified exhibition. And we're going to play guys like Jacob Connell. We're going to play some of the young guys and get a look at them in practice and also leading up to that game. Uh, hopefully, hoping to get some extra work ahead of going into the Big 12 next year. That... If this scenario were to play out, uh, and I'm not saying it's going to, that is where I think it actually would happen. I don't think they would give in in the regular season. I think they would give in if it were they made it to the bowl season, whether they're six and six, who knows, make a run eight and four, uh, seven and five, regardless of whatever the record is. If this is the type of thing that BYU wants to really do, and I, I, I honestly don't know that they want to do this, that is where I think they would ultimately decide, you know what? That's where we go with the youth movement. And I trust me, there are a number of you that have hopped in my mentions, sent comments in on YouTube saying, why hasn't Conover played? Why, haven't, why hasn't BYU been building up, gearing up for the Big 12? Uh, frankly, let's be honest, the, the coaches in this scenario right now, they're coaching for their jobs in certain circumstances. I think the entire defensive side of the football, all of those guys are under a huge microscope for BYU right now, and they're obviously trying to make sure that they secure their spot on this staff or try to put together a good run in case they do have to look for a new job in the offseason. So I, I don't expect them to say, you know what? Let's just uh, let's go all in. Let's pull it. Uh, what what we thought with the Utah Jazz, for example, the Utah Jazz, all the trades they made in the offseason, we all thought they were going to be tanking. And stunningly enough, they're off to a four and one start. Who knows how long that hot start stays? If it does, great. You know what? So be it. But a lot of us were talking about the hashtag woeful for Wembenyama, suck for Scoot, uh, brick for Vic, all all those things in terms of getting to the top of the draft, tanking a little bit. They're going with the youth movement uh, with the Utah Jazz. And uh, there's some, still some veterans there. But the, the the conversation is, would BYU ever decide, you know what, let's just get let's just turn our attention to the Big 12 and mail it in at this point. I, I don't think they'll do that in the regular season. But I do think, should they make a bowl game, that conversation could be had. But at the same time, knowing how competitive these BYU players and coaches are, 
I'd be hard pressed to say that that was also an option. But it, of the of the likely scenarios, it, like I said, this is a hypothetical, a, a theory, whatever, what, call it whatever you will. But if it were to play out this way, I think it would be during bowl season is when Kalani Satake would say, you know what? Thanks, Jaron. Thank you to all you guys, your seniors, juniors, the guys that are going to be moving on from the program after this season. Thank you to you guys. But it's our time to turn our attention to the future. Look at the Big 12 guys that are coming in, both uh, going into the potential starting lineup next year like Jacob Conover he needs some game time uh, let's be honest the, the most game time he has played so far is a half of football last year at Utah State when he was the third string quarterback and I don't think he got a fair shake in that game because he hadn't necessarily been prepared adequately for that you don't expect Baylor Romney to get a concussion in that game he came in frankly looking at deer in the headlights so You'd like to get him some time, and maybe that is where he ultimately gets that chance. But we'll see what happens. I got a couple other questions that you guys sent in. It's a a mailbag Thursday here on the podcast. It actually did a pretty bad job. I'll take the blame for this uh, in not soliciting them, but you guys sent them in all the same. So I got a few questions we'll get to on today's show. Also need to talk about the BYU blue and white game. Uh, Some things I took away. I was there in the stands watching things play out last night at the Marriott Center. Always going to be back out watching Mark Pope's squad. Get some of those comments a little later on in today's show as well. But first a word on our friends over at Sweatblock. Absolutely love this company, my friends. The best part about Sweatblock is it's here to help you guys avoid those situations where you may be sweating through your shirt. And uh, you can think of any scenario out there. I, I I was always default to watching Sean Miller, the former Arizona basketball coach, in those NCAA tournaments. His team is melting down, and you can see he is melting down. He's sweating through his shirt. It's almost translucent. He was wearing a white shirt one time, just absolutely horrendous, a blue shirt as well. That's what Sweatblock is here to prevent. It's giving you the confidence to wear what you want without that embarrassing underarm sweat. Sweatblock wipes were featured and tested on the Rachel Ray show by firefighters who actually walked into a burning building, walked back out, and they were dry as a bone. It's absolutely incredible. So if you or someone you know is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try Sweatblock. Save 20% while you're at it using the promo code LOCKEDON at sweatblock.com. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at sweatblock.com. It's also available on Amazon. Once again, 20% off at sweatblock.com using that promo code locked on. Want to encourage you guys, if you haven't already, to check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. Think of it this way. I actually listen to it on the mornings going into my radio job with DJ and PK. Obviously, there's a lot of sports going on. We're in the what they call the sports equinox period of the year where we have all the major sports. I think there's four... Of what they consider the sports equinox days this year where all the major sports are playing on the same day. It's impossible for me personally to stay up on all the news out there. That's what Locked On Sports Today is doing. It's Essentially, if you go to cbssports.com in the morning or espn.com or any of those news uh, sites, those, e- those sports sites, to get caught up on the news, well, guess what? You can do it in audio or video format with our friends over at the Locked On Sports Today podcast. Peter Bukowski, he is absolutely bar none, one of the best hosts I have ever seen. Covers it all. Make sure you guys are up to speed on everything going on in the sports world. So get that free and available wherever you get your podcast or check it out on YouTube or also on the Odyssey app. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal product. All right, on to some of your guys' questions. Let's start off with our good friend Cougar Forever, Mateo36BYU. He says, Jake, here's a question I've had for years and still don't know the answer to. When BYU hired Kalani and Elisa Tuiaki, I assumed our defense would eventually look like the defense Utah has built. After seven seasons, we've rarely seen a defense like Utah has. I have heard the excuse that we don't have the players and the talent to do it, but coaches recruit players, so that would just indicate that recruiting and development is lacking. Do you have any good answers for why BYU's defense looks nothing like Utah's? Well, uh, Cougar Forever, let me tell you this. 
They did come in hoping to build a, a, the, a defense that was kind of like what Utah had built because both Elisa and Kalani come from the Kyle Whittingham tree. They, they're guys that worked for Kyle Whittingham on his defensive staff, and you would have thought, okay, these guys know what Kyle's trying to do. Do I think that they're getting the same caliber athletes right now, speaking of BYU, that Utah has? I don't think so, and that's nothing against BYU. It's just that the simple fact of the matter is Utah has been a Power 5 program for a better part of a decade now. BYU will be Power 5 next year, and I think that they will be investing more and more in recruiting and trying to upgrade the talent base for BYU's defense. They obviously have to, because frankly, the... the uh, I've got nothing against the defensive coaches at BYU, but it feels like far too often, and I pay closer attention to recruiting than I think 95% of you out there just because I find it interesting. I'm not necessarily an expert. I, I would def- default to giving guys like Jeff Hansen over at Cougar Sports Insider and give him Hell Brigham. Uh, I'd give him the nod in terms of being the actual, actual guru when it comes to BYU recruiting, but I pay fairly close attention. And, and my perception is of BYU's defensive recruiting, and this goes across the board, is that BYU uh, has gone more with the uh, if you if you're interested in us we're interested in you recruit us it's the old Bronco Mendenhall thing remember when he got lambasted for saying that we want guys to recruit themselves to BYU we don't want to go out and actually have to sell ourselves that's what BYU's offense has done guys like Aaron Roderick they're absolute dogs on the recruiting trail Fessy Satake the same way they they get out there and they get after it I actually think Steve Clark might be the most underrated recruiter on BYU's staff if I'm if I'm being honest and they go out and sell BYU hard whereas it feels like the defensive staff and I'm not trying to single out any individual I think it actually goes across the board sans Gennaro Guilford I'll probably say Gennaro is the one that stands out apart from this they go out and they kind of take the path of least resistance oh you're interested in BYU well okay you got pass film but we'll, we'll take you the, the thing is BYU needs to be more about going out and chasing guys and hoping they can win these recruiting battles you're going to be a power five program so you no longer have teams that are able to recruit against you and say that BYU is not a power five you can come play power five football here son BYU will always have the honor code used against them that's obviously going to be something that's in there but they do need to get some young dynamic recruiting in that defensive staff to go out there and sell BYU hard it, you can espouse a lot of the great ideals of BYU to guys, and they're going to be like, oh, okay, I'm on board with that. And the fact that now they can play quote-unquote big-time Power 5 football, that's only going to help BYU's message out there. There are more people out there, not even just members of the LDS faith, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, there are more young men out there who are God-fearing, Christ-centered individuals. I think BYU can go out and sell BYU to more. And the, the, the fact of the matter is playing in the Midwest and on the East Coast a little more as a member of the Big 12 may open up some of those markets, uh, the Midwest, the the South, etc. More to some of these guys and saying, hey, BYU's got a pretty Christ-centered message. It's a program where you can kind of just go focus on football. That's what BYU needs to go and sell. Their defensive philosophy, I think I, I heard I, Mitch Harper did a, a Cougar, um, what do you call it, Twitter Spaces, a Cougar rant session after the Liberty loss. And I think it was Jeff Hansen who opted on and said that BYU's uh, defensive front in particular, most of the guys had one or zero offers outside of BYU, like maybe one other offer outside of BYU. Very few of them, like guys like Logan Fano obviously had more offers, but the, the the across the board, a lot of the guys BYU has recruited have been guys that are under-recruited, quote-unquote, diamonds in the rough. BYU's hoping they can develop talent, that type of stuff. And the simple fact of the matter is, talent matters. I, I You can have the grit, as much gritty walk-on uh, oozing out of these guys as you want but when you have four and five star talents going up against one two and three star talents it's a completely different ball game 
I really like BYU's development program. They've done actually a very nice job overall in finding guys. But there's for every guy that they seemingly find and or develop, they feel like there's two other guys who they're like, okay, this guy really could be it. And they don't ever really morph into what you expect them and potentially could be. That, that That's the concern if you're BYU, especially on this defensive staff. So I would like to see BYU get more dynamic in the recruiting. Go out and sell BYU hard. Tell guys, and frankly right now, if you want to go out and get a big-time defensive lineman, Go out there and tell them, hey, by the way, uh, no offense to our other defensive linemen. You don't tell your other defensive linemen this, but you go into that home and say, here's the thing. You can come in right now, and you're going to be favored to start over a lot of our guys day one in Provo. And that's going to – there are young men that want nothing more than the second they show up on campus to be playing football and be right in the mix uh, for, a, for a program. And that's something that BYU could sell right now. So – do I think that necessarily it works out that way? I, it's going to take some time. And, that, and that's the sad part is they had some extra runway here to build up towards the Big 12. But I, I honestly, I look at the roster and I'm like, we're playing, they're, 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 they've got multiple walk-ons playing rotation minutes for BYU. Where in the world, like who is out there in terms of recruiting philosophy and that type of stuff? And why has it fallen by the wayside? And I think that there are coaches who have to answer for that. And that that's the tough part uh, to accept as a BYU fan and a guy like me who pays attention to recruiting. How in the world are you guys just kind of taking that path of least resistance? You talk about wanting your guys to be fight through adversity, and all this stuff. But meanwhile, on the recruiting trail, for lack of a better term, you're lazy. That, that that's that's the concern I have is that BYU just I frankly got lazy in terms of their recruiting and felt like you know what we hit on some of these guys we'll be okay we can develop this and we we can build four and five star talents yeah for every one of those guys that you find and or develop like I said you find one it seems like two other ones fall by the wayside and that that's the tough part you need to be hitting on more guys and frankly you need to find more talent period uh, a related question came in on YouTube this comes from Robert uh, Pfeiffer hopefully Robert I'm pronouncing your last name right it's F E I F E R I think it's Pfeiffer. But he says, Jake, uh, Jake, excuse me, Jake, I sound like a Australian. My thought is it comes down to three things with the players, attitude, effort, and skill. Which one do you think it is right now? I have said before, but all things say the skill is there. Is the confidence really gone? Is the attitude so poor, which has turned to a lack of effort and looks like mediocre skill? Even bad schemes and systems can result in strong execution when the heart and effort are there. Tell me that we haven't seen lower level skilled players outplay and defeat better skilled teams. Something happens, something has happened and that needs to be fixed. I lean to what Puka said and did. That is the source of changes that need to happen if the players can get their confidence back, maybe there is still hope. Now, it's an interesting concept, Robert, because I do think that, yeah, attitude, effort, and skill all play there. Do I think that the skill is there for BYU, first off? I, I think that there is skill in the linebacking core. I've talked with guys who have evaluate NFL talent who believe that BYU has three guys who have potential NFL futures at that linebacking core. I'm speaking of Keenan Peely, Peyton Wilgar, and Ben Bywater. Now, Wilgar is on the shelf right now due to an injury, but you have two other guys that they think are future NFL guys. Why are they not playing better? And in the defensive backfield, I had a guy tell me that he believed that guys like D'Angelo Mandel could have a chance in the NFL. Malik Moore at safety had a chance. And Caleb Hayes actually might be the most NFL uh, caliber guy BYU has at cornerback. So why aren't those guys necessarily performing to their best? I, I really think, and this is, brings me to the last point, the skill, it's lacking on the defensive line. And it's nothing against guys like Tyler Batty. It's nothing against other guys. I, I just feel like BYU has not necessarily invested the proper resources and the overall effort in developing and or recruiting 
top shelf defensive line talent. Now, would a guy like Logan Fano, who tore his ACL in spring ball, have helped BYU's defensive line this season? Absolutely. He is a four-star talent. He is like what BYU needs to be chasing more and more often, but he's on the shelf right now. The other guys, what have you developed behind them? And the, the sad part is, is right now the skill for BYU's defensive line, they're try-hard guys, but it's just not yielding the results that try-hard is, is only, goes, only goes so far. Eventually, talent catches up with you. And I think the other thing right now is I, I do think attitude, it, it's been a little bit of a, of a downer attitude around the BYU football program. You can feel it, it just walking around the program. These guys are down on themselves. So if they were to bounce back tomorrow and win the game, no matter if it came by one point or 20 points, a win, I think, would do a lot of good things for this BYU football program. And it probably would lead itself to more effort and better execution and down the stretch run here for the BYU football program. But you've got to have guys who are going to to just put in that effort because it's hard. When you feel like maybe uh, you got a teammate or teammates around you that might not necessarily be putting in the same level of care, concern, effort, whatever it is, into their craft as you are, that can cause you to say, you know what, why do I want to put in all of this skill and time and effort? Why do I want to put all of my heart into this if these guys over here aren't doing that? And that you you talk about Puka. I, I lean to what Puka said and did. Puka speaking up after the Liberty game. He's talked this week about, hey, we just need to get back to it. And a guy like Puka... You you can guarantee if if guy like that is speaking out as a player, I'd be following his lead because Puka he he's a he's an elite talent. He is a future NFL guy in his own right. So, I man, the skill level is short. There's always going to be a little bit of a deficiency. It feels like at least right now as BYU gets ready to go into the Big Twelve. But you the things you can control your effort, your attitude, that the the control the controllables. And that's something that I think BYU has let get a, get away from them. You heard Clark Barrington earlier this week, if you were on, if you heard his edition of the podcast, it was our Tuesday edition, he called his own team soft and mentally fragile. Like th- th- that soft word, S-O-F-T in football is as bad as any expletive out there. It, it, trust me. I got called soft one time in my very brief football career when I was playing high school football. And you gotta, I, I gotta tell you that cut me to the core. And I, I don't think Clark says that just willy nilly. He's not just throwing that word out there. He knows what that means to his teammates, to his coaches, to anybody inside the BYU football program. But right now, what are we looking at? We are looking at a soft, soft BYU football program, and they've got to go out there and change that mindset, change that execution level, the effort level, all of that. It needs to be ratcheted up. Maybe we'll see it tomorrow night, or maybe we'll see some of the, more of the same. And that goes back to our original point on today's show. At that point, does Kalani say, you know what? These guys don't care. Let's just let's just pack it up, pack it in, and let's get ready for the Big 12 era. The, tomorrow night could go a long way to determining what exactly BYU is going to look like down the stretch. Is it a team that's going to fold shop and end up missing a bowl game after going 21-4 and four the previous two seasons? Or are they going to go out there, fight, scratch, claw, use their everything they've got within their power to win a football game and get the season a little bit of a salvage uh, effort out of it. That, that, that it goes one of two ways tomorrow night. And I know that sound that, that's way too base level stuff. I know that doesn't sound like breaking news, but many ways this East Carolina game is either going to make or break what this BYU team's going to be known for. And I am interested to see if it's more of the same, if they're going to go out there like they did against Liberty and just lay, lay an egg, or are they going to go out there and say, you know what, we're done we're done being that soft, fragile program. We're getting back to being what BYU has been for the better part of the last two years. We were on twenty-one and four. We were twenty-one and four. We were a top twenty-five program. We're getting back to playing that type of football. I'd hope to see the latter, but frankly, at this point, 
I wouldn't be stunned if it's the former as well. All right, coming up here in just a minute, let's talk a little BYU basketball. What I took away from the blue and white scrimmage last night at the Marriott Center. Fun night all the way around for those of you who are out at it. We'll talk about that here in just a moment. First, though, a word on our friends, one of our great local sponsors, our friends at Intercap Lending. There's a reason that no lender helps more families in the state of Utah with their mortgage needs than our friends at Intercap Lending. And the reason? Intercap gets deals done. The best part is they feature a quick and simple process and they are closing loans two weeks faster than the industry average. We all know the interest rates are going up, but if you need to take advantage of anything, whether it's a cash out refinance, you need to get into a new home, uh, just need to refinance, no matter what it is, uh, our friends at Intercap can help you guys out. And that's what uh, Locked On's personal loan officer at Intercap Lending, Steve Carter, has been delivering to hundreds of Locked On listeners since 2018. He's absolutely phenomenal at what he does. He'd love nothing more than to both earn and keep your uh, keep your business uh, by obviously working with him over at Intercap Lending. The best part is, is Intercap Lending, it's not just localized to Utah. It's got 44 years of experience. Even though it's based here in Utah, it's able to help anybody nationwide. No matter if you live along the Wasatch Front or beyond, they'd love nothing more than to help you guys out. Reach out to Steve, anytime with questions and or comments, 385-800-8528 is his direct line. Once again, 385-800-8528. You will not find a more responsive loan officer. I can promise you that. Steve is absolutely phenomenal. I've met with him. He's a great, great dude. So reach out to Intercap Lending. The best part is when you mention Locked On Cougars and or Catch, you will get a corporate rate discount. So check that out, my friends. That's Intercap Lending. Reach out to Steve Carter now, 385-800-8528. That's Intercap Lending, 190, uh, excuse me, Intercap Lending, NMLS number 190465. Got to get that one right. Intercap Lending is an equal housing lender. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys checking out the show, whether it's on YouTube, the regular podcast feeds out there. Want to encourage you guys, if you've not done so already, please make sure you like the show. Uh, click that thumbs up button on YouTube. Uh, make sure you follow the show, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google out there. And also on Apple Podcasts, if you're listening to us there, a lot of you still do that. Leave us those five-star ratings and a review. It's absolutely helpful. It, well, it's, not, more, it's more than helpful. It's like the lifeblood of what makes podcast go. That's what helps Apple know that, hey, people like this show. Let's recommend it to other people. So it helps us find BYU fans and BYU fans in turn find us. It's the same thing with YouTube. When you guys interact with the show, drop us a comment, enable notifications, like this show, all that stuff. It helps our brand continue to grow and grow and grow. And the best part is there are thousands of you literally worldwide who watch and or listen to this. I've got people that listen to it as far away as in the Philippines. I've had people reach out who listen to it on vacation in Mexico, over in Europe. You guys are the best. Cougar Nation, you guys are absolutely phenomenal, so thank you for your support. All right, BYU basketball had their annual blue and white scrimmage at the Marriott Center last night. I took a personal assistant with me. I mentioned this on yesterday's show. Took my son to the game, and he had a great time. He was dancing in the aisles. It was actually a lot of fun. I, I don't get the opportunity to, t- to attend as many games with my children as I would like. I-, I work in the media. I go to a lot of games on a press pass, and guess what? When you go on a press pass, it's you, yourself, and me. Uh, uh, you yourself and you yeah me myself and I who get to sit there at the games and it's it's a professional working environment there's all of those different stipulations it's a different deal when you're able to kind of sit in the stands let your kids enjoy the time my son ate three quarters of a cougar tail he's four and a half folks like the fact that he ate that much of the cougar tail frankly stunned me it was a pr- probably a dad fail because uh, let's just put it this way he's probably not I'm recording this actually on Wednesday night after the game 
He's probably not going to sleep all the night, but at the same time, he had the time of his life. We got to the car driving home. He's like, Dad, that was fun. So that just made my my dad heart uh, just, it was awesome. It was fun to see him go out there. And the best part is there was a lot of fun action on the court. That's the other good news is coming out of this. Now, BYU, what I saw from this blue and white scrimmage is this is a BYU team who's going to generate shots. And they're going to be able to hoist up three-pointers, get mid-range, get to the bucket. Uh, but from three in this game, BYU combined both the blue and white team. And the white team ended up winning this game. 78-65 to 65 was the final. Uh, for the game, the white team shot a 34.8% from three. Now, the blue team that lost shot six of 30, which is a even 20% for the game. As a team, BYU shot a shade over 60%, not shade, 60%, a shade over 26%. 26 point, I have this on my phone right here. I actually did the math. Uh, 26, if I can get this to open up, maybe, I don't know. 26.4% from three for BYU in this game. They got up 53 three-pointer, three-point attempts in this game. They connected on just 14. That number, if BYU is going to shoot that many three-pointers, you need to at least double the mate. You need to be making 20, 25, 30 of those uh, if you want to be a very competitive team this year. The good news is a lot of the transfers that came into this program had good nights on the night. Uh, Rudy Williams led the way with 19 points, leading all scores on the night. Uh, he did get a technical in this game. He actually got called for, uh, he got a flop warning early on, then got a flop technical. Came back down the court. Uh, looked like he did get hammered pretty good. Falls to the court. And let's just put it this way. He said the magic word and the refs teed him up. Yeah, he got teed up in an exhibition, uh, uh, an intra-squad scrimmage. And I showed me some of the fire that Rudy Williams had. But the nice part is shortly after that, he came back down the court on two successive dry, uh, two successive possessions, had back-to-back three-pointers, then got fouled on the third straight possession. He ended up shooting 50% from the field, 7 of 14, finishing with the 19 points. He was 2 of 6 from 3. Uh, other guys who stood out, Jackson Robinson was the leading scorer for the blue team with 16 points. He was 7 of 19. But from 3, a guy that I've actually been propping up, my, my conversations with folks inside the program said that he's been shooting the 3 phenomenal in practice. Well, he didn't show it uh, in that game. 2 of 11 from 3 for him. So not a great shooting night from beyond the arc for him, but not a great shooting night from beyond the arc for anybody on that blue team. Atiki Ali Atiki had 11 points and 11 rebounds, the only player to notch a double-double, but he did have a game-high 7 fouls. He would have fouled out if this was a real game, and that's that's the concern with a guy like Atiki. He probably is going to be, uh, uh, at least to start the season, he's going to be playing off the bench for the BYU bat- men's basketball program. I-, I think that your starting lineup, this is my projection, is that it's going to be really Rudy Williams, Jackson Robinson, uh, Gideon George, who, by the way, Gideon George, he looked absolutely lights out last night. I think he had 18 points, had a big block. He, he was just, he was a man amongst boys out there. Really good to see Gideon out there. So, yeah, I think it goes uh, Rudy Williams, Jackson Robinson, Gideon George is your backcourt. And I think your front starting front court is going to be Noah Waterman, who actually had a good shooting night going early on and then kind of cooled off as the game progressed. I think he starts at the four spot. And then I think Fuseni Traore ends up as your number five. I think he is your big man in the middle. And I think that the fact you have Noah Waterman on the court there is the space the court. Because Waterman can shoot the three, I know he's six foot ten, but he can play outside in and allow Fus Triori to prowl in the middle and do his work on the interior. I think that's how BYU starting lineup might go. Could guys like Dallin Hall and or Spencer Johnson end up being in that starting lineup? Sure, because. I thought Dallin Hall, what mission legs? He looked really, really good in this game. Richie Saunders, Tanner Toulson, other return missionaries coming back into the program. They had their moments, but I think they're still very much going to be guys that are probably redshirt candidates slash guys who are playing on the bench for BYU, but... Overall, that was a fun night. It was good to see this team. The good news is they're generating shots. That's the thing. If this team couldn't generate 
offense couldn't get shots up, I think that's where you'd be concerned as a BYU basketball fan. But I think the biggest thing is they're going to generate those shots. The big key, can they make those shots in bunches? That will determine how good or bad this BYU men's basketball squad is. They will be back in action next Wednesday, if I've got that correct, uh, taking on Ottawa out of Arizona in their lone, a true exhibition. And then they open it up November 7th, Monday night, Idaho State. Colby Lee, the former BYU big man, coming with the Bengals south to the Marriott Center. That'll be uh, Monday, November 7th, the season opener for BYU at the Marriott Center, taking on the Idaho State Bengals at 7 o'clock. All right, that is going to do it for today's show. Uh, Tease ahead for tomorrow's show. It's all East Carolina getting ready for that game. Who is Holton Aylers? Who is he going to throw the football to? What do we need to know about East Carolina in this matchup? What does it mean for BYU? Can they win this football game? We're talking about all of that on tomorrow's show. A big thank you once again for making us here on Locked On Cougars, your first listen of the day. want to encourage you guys now to make your second listen, our friends over at the Locked On Big 12 podcast. It's a phenomenal product. Josh Neighbors gets you ready with everything going on in the Big 12 as a whole across the entire conference. Check that out. Free and available wherever you get your podcast or on YouTube, just like this show. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal product that Josh is doing out there. All right, that'll do it for us. Have a great rest of your day. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast. See ya.